Well, good morning, College Park. Well, I'll try that again. Good morning, College Park. <laughs> it is good to be with you this morning. Now, I'm not a mind reader, but I can already see some of the disappointment on your face. <laughs> Two disappointments, to be specific. The first one happened a few moments ago when you realized I'm not Pastor Mark and that you got stuck with the B-team preacher today. But uh, in, all, in all honesty, that's all right. I, I totally get it. I normally consider myself on the C or even the D team, so B team's an upgrade. <laughs> Disappointment number two may happen when you hear that we are only studying one verse of scripture this morning. That's right. One verse from one of the most well-known texts in all of scripture, Psalm 23, verse 1. And I, I get that too, you know, when, when I realized that I was only preaching one verse today, I, I kind of panicked a little. I thought to myself, what in the world am I going to talk about for an hour with only one verse? Some of you just caught that I said I'm going to preach for an hour. <laughs> and then amid my panic and desire for more words, the Lord convicted me through the text and said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want more words. All joking aside, I was initially pretty nervous about such a short text. But to be honest, the text that we are going to study today is truly incredible. And I pray, my prayer is that the Lord will speak to each of us this morning through his word, by his spirit, and illumine this verse within our hearts, souls, and minds. Friends, no matter how many times you've heard Psalm 23, verse 1, or how many times you haven't, I pray that we will together find a heavenly comfort in it this morning. So if you haven't already, would you take your Bible and meet me in Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. And it's, it's here that we find that there is more to this first verse than we often realize. Above the line of the well-known words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, in line with the top of the number 23, we see this short statement in all caps, a psalm of David. Believe it or not, this statement is actually part of verse 1. It's not an extra biblical heading. Like if, uh, and if you were reading in, in Hebrew, you would see these two Hebrew words, mitzmor la David, a psalm of David, are placed on the exact same line as the rest of verse 1. And these two words are rather important. And we need to unpack them before we dig into what I'd call the meat of the text. First word, mitzmor, is a psalm. And what's a psalm? Honestly, I, I, I don't hear a psalm outside of Christian context, outside of the Bible. And a psalm simply means a song. It is a sacred hymn or a song of praise. It's poetry put to music for the purpose of glorifying the God of Israel. A psalm, second word, la David, of David. Second, we need to spend a few moments understanding who David is. David is one of the most well-known and important, Jew or important men in Jewish history. Listen to this short snapshot of David's life. David was Israel's second and greatest king. He rose to power from humble circumstances and amid many difficulties. He captured Jerusalem, 
established it as his capital, unified the nation, meaning Judah and Israel together as one, and built an empire that stretched from Egypt to Mesopotamia all during a 40-year reign from roughly 1010 to 970 BC. He was a man of many talents. He was a shepherd, a musician, a poet, a warrior, a politician, and an administrator. But he is most prominent as the king par excellence, as the standard for all later Israelite and Judean kings. And he is a messianic symbol. And this short description is a great introduction to David, but it actually misses several important details of his life such as his anointing as king, as a young shepherd boy, his childhood victory in the slaying of the mighty Philistine Goliath with a mere sling and stone, and the fact that the account of his life spans 42 chapters of the Old Testament, 42 chapters from 1 Samuel 16 to 1 Kings 2. Interestingly, his name is found all throughout Scripture over a thousand times in the Old Testament and 59 in the New. And though David's resume is remarkable, it's far from perfect. This man who slayed Goliath, united Israel and penned over 70 Psalms was also a man with deep flaws who had dark sinful moments. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, And he had several serious, I mean serious failings as a father. And that's just to name a few. Yes, David was a man of great success, but also a man of great failure. Because he was just that, a man. He wasn't perfect, but God used him as an instrument of his grace. Both Old and New Testaments declared David was a man after God's own heart. And it is this man, David, Le David, who is, I've heard it said, picked up his pen of illumination, dipped it in the ink of inspiration, and wrote this 23rd Psalm. So though we glance over this short heading, A Psalm of David, we find out it actually matters and it provides context. And this context is vital to understanding the psalm. And that, friends, is just my introduction. Let's dive in now to the meat of Psalm 23. So this morning I have three parts and one question to Psalm 23, verse one. Three parts and one question. Each part is a point, and they're rather profound, if I do say so myself, and some might even say inspired. They are this, the Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. Part one, two, and three. The Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. And the underlying question for this morning, the point, which I usually don't like to give away right up front, is this. The underlying question that I have for you is, who is your shepherd? As we dig through this verse, I want this one question to be sitting in the background of your mind. Who is your shepherd? Three parts to Psalm 23, verse one. Part number one, the Lord. And I'm gonna ask you to do something different this morning. As we dig through each of these parts, I'm gonna ask if we could recite verse one together as a church family. 
So I'm going to ask you to recite Psalm 23, verse 1. It's not on the screen, but I'll lead you in it. Would you recite it with me? One request. You got to say it from your heart. This is the word of God. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Three parts. Part number one is the most important of all. It is the subject of the verse, and the subject actually of all scripture. And it is this, the Lord. As David begins this heavenly declaration, he starts exactly where he should, and he pins this word, the Lord. This is a, a name that the Jews dared not even speak. It was too holy to utter, too sacred to say, and it struck a holy fear in all who read it and knew its reference. As David begins his heavenly declaration, he says the name Yahweh. This is no mere name, but it is the name from which all other names come. It refers to the one who is, that is, the absolute and unchangeable one. Yahweh is the God of all creation, the capital G God, the God over all that has been, all that is, and all that will ever be. He's the creator God who spoke the world into being out of nothing by the mere words of his mouth. He is the almighty, the all-powerful, the God of hosts, the God who reigns over all, the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And throughout the Old Testament, there are many names and references to him. Specifically to the names of Yahweh, we have Yahweh Yaira, the Lord who provides. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. Yahweh Rophe, the Lord who heals. Yahweh Sedkenu, the Lord our righteousness. And Yahweh Makadish, the Lord who sanctifies. This Yahweh is the self-existent, self-sustaining, uncreated God of all the universe. The one called Elohim in Genesis 1-1 who existed before the beginning. The one who created all of humanity in his image. The one who instructed Noah to build an ark and then flooded the earth. The one who made a covenant with Abraham to bless all nations. The one who, who Jacob called El Shaddai, the Almighty, in Genesis 49. He is the great I Am who met Moses in the burning bush, delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parted the Red Sea. He provided water and manna in the midst of a wilderness. He spoke to Moses at Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments. He tumbled the walls of Jericho and delivered the Israelites to the promised land. This is that Yahweh. And David, let's give him praise this morning. Amen. And this Yahweh is the God who met David as a young shepherd boy and anointed him as king through the prophet Samuel. He gave David victory over Goliath. He sheltered David when Saul threatened his life. He appointed David as king over both Judah and Israel and covenanted with him to raise up one of his descendants to establish an eternal kingdom. This Lord, who David writes, is the magnificent God of Israel, the God who created every thread and fabric of our universe the one true God. And friends, it's important to realize that Yahweh is the subject of this psalm, every part of it. As we embark on this journey through Psalm 23 over the next several weeks, please know that the focus of it is 
God. It's not David, it's not Israel, it's not you and me, it's God. Though there is much to glean about what a follower of Yahweh receives in Psalm 23, the entire psalm is meant to first and foremost describe the goodness of Yahweh, and second, to describe the benefits of following him. Don't get those out of order. Though we will see many beautiful blessings that Yahweh gives to his people in Psalm 23, the point of the blessings are to first and foremost describe the one who blesses. Three parts to Psalm 23, verse one. Part number one, the Lord. His name is Yahweh. Part number two, three parts, part number two, my Shepherd, would you recite Psalm 23, verse one, together with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So after, dis- after identifying his transcendent and heavenly subject, David enhances his description of Yahweh by ascribing to him a personal and intimate title, my shepherd. David was very accustomed to the art and profession of shepherding because he was a shepherd himself. It's in the fields of Bethlehem where we first meet David in 1 Samuel 16 and he's tending his father's sheep. Shepherding was a well-known occupation in the ancient Near East. A shepherd's main responsibilities are to guide, nourish, protect, discipline, and care for the health of his sheep. And throughout every season, a a shepherd needs to guide his sheep to pastures to eat from and streams to drink from. He needs to lead them away from dangerous terrain, nurse their wounds, medicate their illnesses, and rescue them when they're in danger. And as as you may know, sheep are uh, not the most intelligent animals. They're actually, they're somewhat clumsy. They're known for getting stuck on their backs and not being able to turn themselves back over. I kid you not, this is what's called a cast sheep. And it can happen to them uh, simply during everyday life activities, such as trying to lie down, trying to sleep, stumbling on a hole, or simply by having too much wool on their body that pulls them in a lopsided way. And sadly, I don't know if you knew this, a cast sheep um, can die within just a matter of a few hours from being on his back because their body creates internal gases that suffocate them. For this reason alone of of being a cast sheep, a shepherd's always needed to be close by. A shepherd's responsible for protecting his sheep. He protects them from predators like wolves or thieves that might come into the flock and try and steal one. A shepherd protects his sheep from themselves by disciplining them if they wander. You see, friends, sheep look to their shepherd to guide and instruct them. And when they look away, which they are prone to do, they quickly wander, and their shepherd must bring them back. Friends, a a shepherd's job is not easy. It requires personal interaction with each sheep that he cares for. And it's because of this deeply personal relationship between a shepherd and his sheep that a shepherd's mere presence, just being in the vicinity of the sheep, 
would cause and brings about a peace in the sheep and his flock. And it's this imagery, chock full of intentional care and hard work, that David now applies to Yahweh. And along with this beautiful imagery, David uses what would be called intensely personal or or a heightened sense of individuality. He uses language that's intensely personal. Notice he doesn't say that Yahweh is, quote, our shepherd. He says Yahweh is my shepherd. And this may not be striking to you because, if, if we're honest, we live in a highly individualistic culture. We see just about everything through the lens of how it matters to us or or what it has to do with us. But David's culture was not so. For David to declare that Yahweh, the very God of Israel, the creator and sustainer of the universe is, quote, my shepherd, was no small statement. If you read through the Old Testament, you see that Yahweh is mostly referred to as a communal God, a personal God. But here, David says, Yahweh is my shepherd, my God. This man who has experienced a a life full of tremendous highs and terrible lows, as we reviewed earlier, from being anointed by the God of the universe to being chased out of his kingdom by his own flesh and blood, from being promised an eternal heir and dynasty to losing a son only days after his birth, this man David, amid all the life and all his life has entailed, he writes here in Psalm 23, Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is a deeply personal and relational God, one who is close and present with his sheep. He never leaves them, he never forsakes them. He is always with them, guiding, protecting, nourishing, and comforting. Three parts to Psalm 23, verse one. Part one, the Lord. Part two, my shepherd. His name is Yahweh. And this brings us to the third and final part of our text where David declares, I shall not want. Would you recite Psalm 23, verse one with me one more time? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This statement, I shall not want, may actually be better translated as I shall not or I will not lack. If you're reading the NIV, I believe it's lack there. What David is expressing here is first and foremost a reality of what it means to be a sheep in Yahweh's flock. For Yahweh to be David's shepherd meant for David to be under the care of the one true God, the one God who provides. If David has Yahweh, he can trust Yahweh to supply his every need physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, eternally. David realizes that his creator is his caretaker and that regardless of what happens to him, regardless of the life that he is experiencing, he truly will never have lack because Yahweh is with him. David declares here the reality of provision. And secondly, this reality also serves as a convicting reminder 
A reminder for David and for any sheep of Yahweh to find their complete contentment and their satisfaction in him. And it serves as a warning that if we are wanting something more, then we are likely in danger of wandering or straying. Friend, like a sheep who is in the presence of his shepherd. So David, in writing, in this, writing Psalm 23, realizes that he is always in the presence and the care of his almighty God. And there is no place safer in all of existence and nothing else that he could ever need. Three parts to Psalm 23. The Lord, my shepherd, I shall not want. Friends, I've I've spent a lot of time talking about David this morning, and now I want to talk about us. And I have that one question for us. Who is your shepherd? Notice I'm not asking whether or not you have a shepherd. My question is who or what is your shepherd? Friends, we human are very similar to sheep in that we are dependent people. We are not independent We are people in need of a shepherd, in need of someone or something to guide, care, protect, and provide for us. There is this natural tendency within every human to seek outside ourselves for something greater to lead us, some sort of shepherd. And by asking who is your shepherd, what I'm really asking is for you to take an honest look at your life and evaluate who or what is leading or controlling you? Who or what are you looking to for protection and security? Who or what are you allowing to nourish your soul? And who or what are you placing your hope and your trust in? There are so many things in this world that capture our attention. And there is really only two answers to the question of who is your shepherd? It's either Yahweh, or it's something else. There's two answers in all of history. Your shepherd is either Yahweh or it's something else. And Christian, if you're tempted to tune out right now, please don't. This question is for you as well. There are so many things in this world that can pull our attention and worship away from God, stealing our heart's affection, adoration, and worship. Friends, we truly are but sheep, easily given to worship of something and easily distracted. So who is your shepherd? What is leading or controlling you? Maybe it's something that you think is so minor, like that caffeine addiction and the Starbucks latte that you, quote, can't function without on a daily basis. Maybe it's your public image that's controlling you. You know, how you look on Facebook and Instagram and how others view you. Maybe it's a a piece of your past that's controlling you that you just can't surrender Who or what are you looking to for safety and protection? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your your job or your political party. Or maybe it's the stock market or your savings account or your 401k, your 403b, your net worth. Maybe it's your own health that gives you protection and comfort. Who or what is nourishing your soul, shaping your thoughts and emotions and actions? It could be your, your favorite news network. Friends, some of us care more about getting our daily fix of cable news than we care about reading our Bible. And the same thing, if you think you're exempt from that, the same thing is true of social media, of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. 
The same thing is true of the entertainment consumption. Is that shepherding your soul more than Yahweh? Maybe it's that secret addiction that dictates everything you do and you navigate and manipulate your entire day just to get back to it because you're serving it. Who or what are you placing your hope and your trust in? Is it your job? Is it your talents? Is it your work ethic? Is it your success or your government? Brothers and sisters, the application for our lives today in Psalm 23, verse 1, is this question, who is your shepherd? And this is a question we must ask ourselves every single day. And the beautiful reality of this verse, interestingly, is if you start at the end and ask yourself, what am I wanting? you'll actually identify the thing that is shepherding you and the thing that is ultimately your Lord. If you are wanting Yahweh, then he is your shepherd and Lord. If you're wanting something else, that thing has taken his place. The things or people we place our hope in, the things and, or, or people that are shepherding us, and thus they act, they act as objects of our worship. And if your shepherd is anything other than Yahweh, it won't satisfy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David wrote this magnificent statement some 3,000 years ago, and it is still true today. However, you and I have an even more vivid understanding of Yahweh as shepherd for us, the Lord is my shepherd has a fuller meaning today because we live in a time of fuller revelation of who Yahweh is. We know that Yahweh is the triune God of all the universe, the Godhead who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. And 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years after David's pen lifted from the page of Psalm 23, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, who the New Testament refers to as the Good Shepherd in John 10, the Great Shepherd in Hebrew 13, the Chief Shepherd in 1 Peter 5, and the Lamb Shepherd in Revelation 7, this Shepherd stepped down out of heaven, took on human life, lived a perfect life, died a perfect, all-atoning, substitutionary death on the cross, literally becoming the sacrificial lamb of God and rose up from the grave, defeating sin and death, saving every sheep who would ever believe in him and call upon his name, delivering them from their sin and allowing them to dwell in his presence forever. Amen. This is our shepherd, the one who loves his sheep so much so that he would lay down his life for them. And some of you might be wondering, so Evan, is Psalm 23 talking about the Godhead Yahweh or is it talking about Jesus, the Son? And the answer to that question, brothers and sisters, is yes. <laughs> Both. <laughs> this side of the cross, we can't divorce one from the other. The only access we have today to Yahweh is through the Son, Jesus, the one who declares, I am the good shepherd, the one who declares, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is the one whom David calls my shepherd. 
and all who believe in him can follow with him and say, my shepherd. Friends, there is no other shepherd than this. So what do we do in light of this incredible reality? We believe in him, we rest in him, and we worship him. Would you bow together? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning with hearts full, knowing that we can say, along with David and saints for thousands of years, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. May we ask ourselves, Lord, who or what is shepherding us? And would your spirit convict us and work in us and bring about the words, the Lord is my shepherd. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.